He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. may be seated. They think that it's a fairy tale, an idle tale, utter nonsense. That's the initial reaction of the disciples when they hear that report from those first witnesses of the resurrection, or at least those first would-be witnesses of the resurrection. After all, it was just those credulous, gullible women. They'll believe anything, won't they? What were the women doing when that day started? Luke tells us. They were not looking credulous and gullible at the beginning of the day. Instead, they were taking spices to go and anoint what? A dead body. They were expecting Jesus to be dead. And Jesus did what he's always doing, goes and ruins their plans. But they go expecting to find a dead body. And what do they find instead? A stone that has been rolled away. And all of a sudden, they see a couple of mysterious guys there, kind of like men in black, except angels in white, right? And those angels in white, what do they say to the women? They ask them a question, a rhetorical question, which is either completely, blindingly obvious or utterly revolutionary. The question that they ask them is, why do you seek the living among the dead? Why do you seek the living among the dead? You can just imagine the women's reaction. Because, wait, why do you ask that? What is going on around here, right? I love that the angels, that they don't just come right out and say it right away, but instead they're just so excited. They're jacked up, and so they're like, hey, hey, you're looking for Jesus, aren't you? Why do you seek the living among the dead? And the women are like, oh, I don't know. Why don't you tell us? He's risen. He's not here, just like he told you. And then they remembered his words, and they're like, oh, yeah. And so they run to go and find all of Jesus' disciples, his closest friends, those guys who had been with him morning, noon, and night for three years, followed him every step of the way, the ones who had heard Jesus promise and prophesy over and over again, guys, I'm going to die, but wait, on the third day I will rise, I promise you. And so when the women go and find the disciples, what are they doing? Oh, they are anticipating it. They're already in their Sunday best. They're like, guys, this is what Jesus told us. He's totally rising from the dead. It's going to happen this morning. So that when the women go and tell the disciples, they respond with unsurprised, even kind of smug satisfaction. Like, oh, of course he's risen. We knew it all along. I told you guys. I knew that was going to happen. Is that what happens? No. They hear what the women say and they think, that it is utter nonsense, an idle tale, a fairy tale, and they don't believe. And there are still many in our day who think that this report of a risen Savior is nothing but a fairy tale. Even some who call themselves Christians, in fact. There are people who say, oh, that the story of the, the risen Savior who actually came back in his body from the dead, that's just a, a children's tale. Well, you heard some of these children here. I'm not sure you want to mess with these guys, all right? Well, we don't really need to believe all of that stuff. I mean, that's just so, that's so profane, so primitive, so, so superstitious. No, no, no. We can hold on to the idea, the, the myth of, you know, dying and rising. That's what really matters. It doesn't matter whether or not a guy actually rose from the dead. There's one notable spiritual religious speaker in our day who's put it this way. He says, 
What matters isn't so much whether Jesus' resurrection happened. What matters is that resurrection happens. Hmm? See what he's done there? This is what matters isn't the actual history, whether or not a guy actually came back to life, but what matters is that, you know, the idea, the symbol, the metaphor of resurrection, that applies to all of us. You know, you figuratively die and come back to life. I mean, look, if this guy, you know, 2,000 years ago, if he happened to have died and come back, well, good for him, but that doesn't apply to the rest of us. But as for the metaphor, the symbol of rebirth, well, that's universal, that's democratic, that can apply to everybody, that's something that I can get behind. And so such people will say, and look, look, you don't even really need him to rise from the dead to celebrate, to be comforted by the message of resurrection and rebirth, right? You can still celebrate Easter today, whether or not Jesus actually came out of that grave. I mean, the Easter bunny is almost as good as a risen savior, right? Although he's more terrifying, I will say that. Who needs empty tombs when you can have Easter eggs? Why do we really need a risen Savior when we can celebrate Easter even without him actually coming out of the grave? So they say. And there's a large group of them that believe that. I reckon there's probably some folks here this morning who think that it's merely a fairy tale. If we're to believe the, the surveys and the research, Barna recently had a, a study go out that only 42% of Americans think that the main focus of Easter is Jesus. Never mind if they actually even believe that he rose from the dead. Only 42% think it's even about Jesus. And only 2% of those surveyed say that this is the most important holiday in the year. So if you think that it's just a fairy tale, if you don't really believe, well, then uh, you've got plenty of company and some pretty good company too, including a guy who might be my favorite author and writer of all time, a fellow by the name of C.S. Lewis. You've heard me mention him many times. He's the author of the Chronicles of Narnia series and, and many other books. He's most famous, actually, for being a, the stalwart defender of the Christian faith, maybe the, the greatest defender of Christianity in the 20th century. A lot of people don't know, though, that for the whole first half of his life, he was a hardened atheist. He didn't believe all this... Christian mumbo-jumbo. But the most pivotal moment of his life centered on just this topic that we're talking about this morning, the resurrection and indeed fairy tales. So one day, Lewis is out on a walk with his good buddy, wait for it, J.R.R. Tolkien, the guy who wrote the Lord of the Rings books. Like, what a dynamic duo, you know? We want to hang out with these guys. They were part of a, a group along with some other authors and they called themselves the Inklings. Oh. So my pastor sends out that email every week called the Inklings because he's a total nerd. Yes, it's true. I will, I will admit it. So J.R.R. Tolkien was a convicted Christian. He was somebody who was really committed to his, his Christian faith. And he would often talk with Lewis about Christianity and about the gospel. They would go back and forth. They would have these discussions and even debates as Lewis would raise his objections and Tolkien would answer them. And then uh, Lewis would give some more questions and back and forth they would go. So this one day, the two of them are, are walking down the road, and they're having just one of these conversations. And Lewis goes so far as to say, you know, Tollers, that's what he called them, you know, Tollers, I might even be willing to believe in God, but I can't go so far as Christianity and your gospel of a dying and rising God. And Tolkien says, okay, okay, Jack, that's what he called them. All right, Jack, why not? And 
you might know this about C.S. Lewis. He was actually a professor of literature, of English literature at Oxford University. And he loved especially fairy tales and myths from throughout the world. He loved the Icelandic sagas and the Norse mythology. He loved the Arthurian legends and he even loved the, the legends and the myths and the fairy tales from the other side of the world, the Japanese fairy tales and the Indian ones, all of these different stories. He loved all of those myths and fairy tales and stories. And so he says to Tolkien, this is the problem, Tollers. I've read all of those stories. I know them inside and out. And what you see again and again and again in all those fairy tales is you have some heroic guy who sacrifices himself for the sake of others and then comes back to life. It's the oldest story in all the world. The gospel is just one more example of a fairy tale that's been told the world over and from time immemorial. And then Tolkien asks Lewis a question a question that would change his entire life. And it's not too much of a stretch to say that it changed the course of history insofar as Lewis has been so influential. The question that he asks Lewis is this. He says, listen, Jack, you assume that the gospel is false because it has so many similarities with fairy tales. But what if just the opposite is true? What if those fairy tales ring true to you at the deepest level because they are founded in and flow from and find their fulfillment in the gospel? See, there's all of these similarities between fairy tales and the gospel. I will grant you that, but with one notable difference. The gospel claims to have actually happened. All those other fairy tales, they happen in a, a faraway place once upon a time. They never claimed any kind of historicity. But the Gospels, just as Peter said when he peeked into the tomb, he saw, he marveled at what had happened. And suddenly Lewis's mind is just racing as he's thinking about all this. And, and he has to grant what, what Tolkien has said. When he thinks about the Gospels and the recounts that we have in the Bible, it doesn't read like a fairy tale in some faraway place. Instead, everything is in order. It's in a place that you can go visit and that many people do. It's at a particular time. It happens under Pontius Pilate. You can go and visit these places where Jesus actually walked and where people say that he rose from the dead. It's not just in some mythical place, but it happened in time, space, history, in our world. Lewis has to grant that. And furthermore, he has to say that, yeah, all of those different stories, all of those fairy tales, all of those streams which happen from time immemorial across time and place and culture and history, all of those streams must have some headwaters. And in that moment, he realizes the resurrection of Jesus is the fairy tale become fact. I mean, why is it? Why is it that all those stories resonate with us so deeply? Why is it that they stick with us from age to age to age? Why is Disney able to put out a new movie, of Cinder a new making of Cinderella like every three years and everybody goes and sees it, right? Why do these stories go deep in our bones like we have the sense that this is the way that things are supposed to be? What if it's precisely this because they are faint echoes and evocations of the true story, the true fairy tale, if you will, the fact of our Lord Jesus and the happening of his resurrection? 
think about all throughout the New Testament and the, the whole ministry of our Lord and the message of the gospel and how those stories fit with it. I'll just give you a few examples. You think of how when Mary, Jesus' mother, when she learns that, that uh, she's about to give birth to a son, the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God, she sings this song, Mary's song, the Magnificat, and she rejoices that God has cast down the mighty from their thrones and that he has lifted up the lowly. Sounds a lot like Cinderella, doesn't it? Oh, and Cinderella, you have the, the evil stepmother and how now God has cast down the stepmother of Satan and all his minions, those evil stepsisters. Nobody likes any of them. And now he has lifted up the humble. He has raised you and me and made us royalty because Jesus is risen. Because Jesus is risen, all of us beasts have been made beauties in God's sight. See? Because the message of the Christianity is not that you make yourself lovable to God and then he accepts you. But the message of Christianity is that we come to God in all of the ugliness of our sin. And he transforms us in his sight. See, Love to the loveless shown that they might lovely be because Jesus is risen. And because he is risen, all y'all beauties, though you sleep the sleep of death, will at last be awoken by the Prince of Peace. See, it's not the case that the gospel is false because it has these similarities to fairy tales. Rather, all of those fairy tales ring true to us and go deep into our bones because they are founded in, flow from, and find their fulfillment, even as all of the Old Testament scriptures find their fulfillment in Jesus. He is the fairy tale made fact, because he is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And you know, there's one more thing, one more implication or, or ramification from the resurrection. And it's, I don't know, it's kind of a mundane, very practical sort of thing, but it means a lot to me and, and maybe to some of you as well. I was reminded of it this past week because we had this crazy storm. You guys heard that storm? I think it was last Sunday night in the middle of the night. I know some of you are heavy sleepers and you're like, what storm? I just slept right through it. For the rest of you guys, you know what I'm talking about? There was just that intense, insane storm. Some of us thought like, Jesus is coming right now. All right, forget about our Easter preparations. He's coming, thank you, Jesus. The thunder was rolling through. The walls of our house were shaking. It was so intense. And I knew what was going to happen next. It's happened many times in mine and Anne's life where it's quiet for a minute and then we hear a little pitter-patter, 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 pitter-patter. Hear those feet coming down the steps and then a moment later, we'll knock at the door. Door opens. Yes. It's one of the kids expressing some concern, some very fair and sensible concern. Have we been struck by lightning? Is our house going to explode? Are we all going to die? And maybe it was just because it was 2 o'clock in the morning and I just wanted to go back to sleep and I've got one eye open and one still on the pillow, but I said something that you have probably said and heard countless times in your own life. I didn't intend to make a grand philosophical existential claim in the middle of the night, but whether or not I intended to, that's precisely what I did next, because what did I say? I said, everything will be all right. You ever said that? Everything will be all right. Saying a mouthful there, aren't you? I mean, because, listen, 
the hardened skeptic, right? The seasoned atheist might come along and say, really? Everything will be all right? How can you be so sure? Have you looked around at our world today? Have you not seen the, the pandemics and plagues, the petty tyrants and the dictators? Have you not heard about war, rumors of war, even nuclear war? Really? Everything will be all right? Are you sure that you are not just lying to your... How dare you lie to your children and tell them that everything will be all right? No, everything will not be all right. That is just some pie-in-the-sky sentimentality. How dare you lie to your kids? And I'm like, who is this guy? Why is he talking to me like that? No. And St. Paul says as much. He admits as much. He says, listen, if Christ is not raised from the dead, your faith is futile. It's vain. If Christ is not raised from the dead, you are still in your sins. If Christ is not raised from the dead, then no, everything will not be all right. If Christ is not raised from the dead, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. If Christ be not raised from the dead, then nothing matters at all. But in fact, Paul says, Christ has been raised from the dead. In fact, on that third day, the stone rolled back. In fact, on the third day, his tendons rewound. In fact, on the third day, Jesus woke up from his three-day snooze. In fact, Jesus got up out of that grave and walked out of that empty tomb, not as a zombie, but as the glorified, risen Lord, incorruptible, indestructible, never to die again. In fact, he is risen he is risen indeed. Alleluia. Jesus is risen. And because he is risen, you too shall rise. All you who belong to him, he will raise you up on the last day if he doesn't come back first. And he might, folks. It might be today. The next time we hear that storm, it might not just be another thunderstorm, but it might be like lightning going from east to west. It might be the Son of Man coming on the clouds to raise up all the dead and to lay claim to his creation and to renew it once and for all. That is the promise that we have. That a day is coming, and it could be today, when our Savior will return and renew this old cosmos and restore it to how it was originally intended to be. On that day, God will stoop down and wipe every tear from your eyes. And all that has been broken will be put back together. And all that is old will be made new because Jesus is risen. They think that it's a fairy tale. They are way more right than they realize. Because everything will be all right. You might even say, we will all live happily ever after. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We stand to confess our faith.